podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Fire for them, fire for them. If you're looking for that 35 bag umbrella and all that thing there, keep it locked with this Unomics podcast. Yo, 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 my voice is much better now. Hello and welcome back to episode 133 of the Disnomics Podcast. Most importantly, a shout out to the guests who attended last week's live show. The general election special it was a good turnout. Lots of good engagement, comments and jokes from the crowd. I appreciate you lot for coming. Everybody who bought a ticket who didn't attend as well, I also appreciate you. We had a good time. We went through the policies, went through the parties, the candidates, the history of voting, we changed the system. All in all, good night out, and I appreciate everybody for attending and everybody who's attended the previous two. And I hope to see many of you again next year. Now, this week's podcast is a slight break in the political aspects. Make sure you check out my previous three podcasts. I've got one on the Labour Manifesto, one on the Conservative Manifesto, and one on the Liberal Democrat Manifesto. The one with the Liberal Democrat one was a two-pack kind of thing. It had the Liberal Democrat Manifesto and also I went through the Corbyn anti-Semitism route. So make sure you check that podcast out. That's the most recent one, episode 132. This week is a good day. I'm recording on Sunday, the 8th of December, which means yesterday the King, Anthony Joshua, regained all his belts back. So it's a very, very glorious day. And I thought it would be a good time to talk about the economics of boxing since boxing's on the on the fingertips and lips of many of us around the world today. So, what is boxing? Of course, we know boxing is a combat sport between two fighters, whether male or female. Um, you can win in several ways. One by knockout when the your opponent doesn't get up from a 10 count or sometimes it's just waved off because the opponent might be unconscious. Yes, it's quite a violent sport. There's also a technical knockout when either your when the referee's like, yo, you're taking way too much punishment, this doesn't make sense. Or you can win by decision. So when it goes to the judges' scorecards, so there could be a majority decision where two judges overall another judge or a unanimous one everybody's like, yo, you won this fight, like yesterday, anti Joshua. So that's boxing, and I'm pretty sure most of us know a bit about boxing to a lot about boxing, depending on who you are. So, what are the biggest markets for boxing? So, the, big, the biggest market for boxing, you may have guessed, United States of America. And the second is actually United Kingdom. And then thirdly, Mexico, as um, some of you may have guessed. When you look at the, the demographic of some of the biggest um, boxers in the world, they tend to come from those three regions, either United States of America, um, the UK or Mexico. So Mexico, likes of we had uh, one, we had Marquez. We obviously now Canelo Alvarez, who's arguably the biggest fighter in the sport in the United States. Of course, in previous times you had the likes of Mike Tyson, Holyfield, Floyd Mayweather. Um, now you've got the likes of Errol Spence, Terence Crawford, Deontay Wilder, who's only relevant because of AJ. Just throwing that little shot out there, you get me. Um, and obviously in the UK, our very own AJ. Um, Billy Joe Saunders, Amir Khan, Kel Brook, Callum Smith, 
you got all these fighters who have been winning in around the world championship scene and all tend to come f- primarily from those three regions. So, of course, this is dysonomics. So we look at the money side of things, the economical side of things. So how do boxers make money? And how does the industry make money? What is the process behind it? So there's a thing in boxing called the purse, which is basically prize money. And the size of the purse and the composition of the purse is entirely dependent on really and truly how that uh, the makeup of the broadcasting. So is it going to be a pay-per-view or is it going to be on TV, like cable TV? So pay-per-view is obviously, um, for those who, who may not be aware, like the AJ fight I say was on pay-per-view, quite a lot of AJ fights, Mayweather fights, these like Canelo fights, GGG, some of these are the biggest fighters in the world, tend to be pay-per-view. So essentially, whereas, wherein before, when you if you have cable TV, you'll probably have Sky Sports, BT Sports over here in America, there will be, you've got Showtime, Fox, ESPN, CBS, all those um, different networks you'll have to pay an additional pay-per-view for a one-off event. Um, in the UK, our pay-per-views are usually about £25. In the States, they could go up to like $90. I think the Floyd Mayweather Manny Pacquiao fight was like a $100 pay-per-view or $90 pay-per-view. So this really depends on how the makeup of the purses is. So, it's best to look at the different type of promotional um, organizations, some of the main promotional organizations. So these are the people that actually put on the fights, as well as the broadcasters they liaise with to broadcast the fights. That gives you that gives us more of an understanding on how the money side of things work and how um, these athletes get paid, and obviously their relevant teams. So there's a streaming service called the Zone, D A Z N. You might have seen it, red and white. Is essentially almost like a uh, it's a sports streaming service. It does like all types of sports in America, um, but it also but it specializes in combat sports. It's currently not available in the UK, which is quite annoying, but it's available in Austria, Germany, Japan, Switzerland, Canada, Italy, and United States. So I think the subscription is $9 a month and you get access to all the pay-per-view fights. So bearing in mind, some people paying could be paying $60, $50, $90 a pop that for a fight, they're getting all these fights for $9 a month as well as other sports. So it makes sense for if you're really into the sport like that. They signed a $1 billion deal with Matchroom Boxing USA. So this is um, Eddie Hearn's company, who, of course, um, AJ's under his um, umbrella. Um, they signed a $1 billion deal to stream 32 fights per year exclusively. So that is a humongous investment. Think about, so I think the, the last Premier League deal was about $5 billion. So boxing, which is of course nowhere near as popular as football, that is a massive investment. So obviously they're betting on themselves here. So what So what this enables the zone to do, because they've got a massive, massive back investment, they can pay fighters a flat fee. They won't get um, a proportion of the gates, so how many tickets are sold, they won't get a proportion of that. They get a large flat fee. So an example of this, Canelo Alvarez, arguably the biggest boxer in the world, fantastic fighter. He signed an 11 fight $365 million deal, which works out to be about $33 million a fight, which is insane, which is proper insane. So 
if you want to think about it um, in terms of like what we've heard from like footballers, that's essentially akin to a footballer getting paid $635,000 per week. Bear in mind, this is a one fight deal. I mean, that's per fight. So obviously you're not going to fight. Canelo might fight maximum three times a year, but probably one, probably twice a year. Insane. Insane amount of money. There's loads of rumours on how much um, Anthony Joshua's three-year extension deal with matchroom boxing is. I didn't get hard figures on that, so I didn't want to talk about that too tough. So their model is, yo, we've got massive investment. We're, st- um, we're streaming, our, we're betting on ourselves. Obviously, the subscriptions currently probably isn't enough to really levy this investment, but we're betting on ourselves in the long term that we're going to be popping. So they're willing to pay the pr- absolute premium to get some of the biggest acts on their platform. So they've got the two by far biggest stars in boxing, Anthony Joshua and Canelo Alvarez, who are massive, massive, massive stars. There's another... Um, so we, we spoke about matching boxing. There's also PBC, owned by um, a black fella, Al ha- um, headed by a black fella, Al Haymond. They also got a big investment from a TV right still, but they're not operating at app bases. So they get, they've got deals with um, Fox Sports and Showtime Boxing. Um, they, get, they, they got a lot of the money up front. It's kind of a longer term deal than most. So they don't really care about how much money they make on the gate, you get me? Because they've got the guarantee money coming in for the TV deals. And this enables them to even to remunerate the boxers under the umbrella a lot more. So some may have heard of Danny Garcia, Keith One-Time Furman, Errol Spence, one of my favourites, Adrian Broner, I'm sure most of us have heard of him. They get paid probably more than their market rate because of this. And this has had an impact on the boxing industry. Shout out my boy, Dr. Lee, and of course, La Sola Seb. So I was asking them for information above my own research because they're big boxing fanatics. So shout out them as well for giving me the gist and breakdown. This, that's why we've seen a lot less activity from the likes of Errol Spence and Keith Furman, who I think Keith Furman didn't fight for like two years, two, three years, or something crazy like that. Because they're not coming out unless I'm getting paid a certain amount because now they're they getting used to getting paid an, a slight premium on what they were getting paid before due to this um, new model operated, what PBC operated underneath. And these fights are shown on quote-unquote free TV. Well, obviously you pay a cable subscription, but you don't have to pay a pay-per-view compared to... Um, uh, let's say a pay per view fight that you have to pay for, um, in America. Like, so may so let me give what's the last major pay per view fight? Uh, of uh, what's it called? For example, McGregor fought Floyd in that sham of a match, that was a pay per view thing. Whereas when, um, Errol, Errol Spence fought. Um, what's his name? Uh, I forgot his name. He's so annoying. Uh, Sean Porter, sorry. Yeah, so when Sean Porter fought Errol Spence a few months ago, that was shown on quote-unquote cable TV. So they're different. So that's so the boxers get paid differently there. So these boxers ain't getting paid as much as a as the top, top boxers on the zone because the level of investment isn't the same. Top rank. This is another major um, promotion... Um, promotion company in headed up by Bob Arum in the United States. Some of their most notable fighters, Manny Pacquiao and um, Terence Crawford. 
they have like a similar kind of setup. They have a, um, a deal with ESPN, which is I think is now extended. It's like a total seven year contract, and it kind of coincided with the uh, with the introduction of ESPN Plus. They're more like at base um, platform, and this is ESPN trying to get into the boxing scene heavy as well. So I think so ESPN claim has been a success. The Pacquiao Hearn fight, um, um, sorry, not Hearn. Heard who was like an Australian Australian fella who shot Pacquiao. I think it got like four point four million views um, um, on on ESPN, and ESPN say this is the biggest um, biggest viewership for a boxing match on cable network since two thousand and six, and that was only a couple of years ago. Then okay, so these are those are the more American um, American based um, platforms. So if we look at the UK, so two big players are Frank Warren and Eddie Hearn. So um, Frank Warren's got something that begins with a Q. He's got his own Queen's Room or some shit like that. And then Eddie Eddie Hearn's got Matchroom Boxing. And the way we do things in the UK is different. So as in, in the UK, you see a lot larger crowds than you do see in the US. So for example, when um, Tyson Fury fought um, Deontay Wilder, I think it was earlier on this year, they did not have a massive crowd. They fought at the Staples Center where um, the Lakers and Clippers play basketball. I think that has a total, I think it might be in between 18 and 20,000 total attendance. But I think they only sold something like 13,000 tickets. They had to give away loads of tickets. Loads. Even when um, Deontay Wilder fought in the Barclays, um, Barclays Arena, which is the Brooklyn Nets sports arena, which is about 20,000. He had to give away thousands of tickets. They don't seem to fill house as much unless it's a major, 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 major draw like a Canelo or a or a Lomachenko or a GGG or in the previous times, De La Hoya, Floyd Mayweather, them type of people. In the UK, it's different. We get big, big attendances. Big, big attendances. So, and that's because in the UK, a larger percent of the money compared to America comes from the gate. So that's ticket selling. So it's imperative to put on good cards. So as someone both explained to me, like you can, there's certain boxers that aren't really that great, but they bring in a big, big crowd. And so let's say a fight was in uh, Sheffield, they will want to get in a Sheffield favorite because that's going to bring in a bigger gate and obviously you're going to eat more money. So this is looking at things and obviously they get the money, of course, of course, from broadcasters such as Sky and um, BT. So when you're looking at um, the money, essentially it comes from sponsorships, broadcasters, ticket sales. Sponsorship, broadcasters, ticket sales, and of course, pay-per-view as well. That's where the money comes from. Now, if you look at... Um, how much money pay-per-view can bring in, it is insane, depending if it's a big pay-per-view card. So, I was looking at some of the pay-per-view um, pay-per-view numbers. Hold on, let me scroll, get my document here. Yes. In terms of, I'll give you the top five, I'll give you, let me get run through the top 10 um, pay-per-view fights in terms of sales. The largest one was actually several years ago, even way before I was born, Muhammad Ali, Joe Fraser, the third fight, which was broadcasted on um, HBO, allegedly worldwide sold 100 million pay-per-views, which brought in 100 million 
<laughs> in terms of revenue. The second biggest was Muhammad Ali versus George Foreman in 1974. 50 million sales. And then the third one is way, 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 way down. So obviously the price has gone up significantly. And also the way you where you can watch fights has changed a lot since the 1970s to now. So of course that's going to impact the pay-per-view numbers. Okay, cool. 2015. So HBO, Showtime, Skybox Office had access to Mayweather Pacquiao. So that sold 5.7 million um, pay-per-view um, pay-per-view buys. Number four is Sugar Ray Leonard versus Marvin Hagman 1987, which was 3.1 million people purchased that fight. Number five, Lennox Lewis versus Matt Tyson. Remember this? When they had that, I think they had like the brawl in one of the like the face-offs. That was on HBO Showtime, of course, Sky, because obviously Lennox Lewis. That was 2.7 million. Number six, Mike Tyson versus Holyfield 2. That was 2.6. Number seven, Ali versus Joe Fraser. That was 2.6 again. Number eight, Anthony Joshua. Oh, my guy. Anthony Joshua, 2.5 for his fight against um, Klitschko in 2017. And then after, Oscar De La Hoya versus Mayweather, 2.45. And then finally, Mayweather versus Ricky Hatton. I remember that fight, 2.4 million. That was a massive fight in this country. So those are the like ten biggest selling pay per view fights in terms of the money create made. <laughs> of course, number one, twenty fifteen Floyd Mayweather versus Manny Pacquiao, that grossed around five hundred million dollars in revenue. Imagine a singular boxing boxing fight card grossed half a billion dollars, and again, approximately similar. Again, Floyd Money May. This time with that sham of a fight versus McGregor. Number three, Mike Tyson versus Vander Holyfield. $180 million. Um, dollars. That was in 1997. Number four, Mayover again versus um, De La Hoya. $165 million. Number five, Mayover again against Canelo. $150 million. Number six, Mayover again. <laughs> against Ricky Hatton, Ricky Hatton, $134 million. That's 2007. Number seven, Canelo versus GGG, their second fight, which grossed off $117 million. Number eight, um, Tyson versus Lewis, which was 2002, $112 million. Number nine, Mike Tyson versus Peter McNeely, $110 million. And number 10, Muhammad Ali versus Joe Fraser, the third fight, $100 million, which was the most purchased pay-per-view fight of all time. So that shows how much pay-per-view can make if it's a massive, massive occasion. So in terms of like the most purchased fights, they tend to be heavily, heavily heavyweights because heavyweights, the biggest men, more, more knockout capability, they tend to be the most um, sought after fights. But in terms of the biggest grossing, We've seen a lot of welterweight fights as well, and that's because of the stardom of Floyd Mayweather, really and truly. But um, yeah, so you've seen some of the biggest stars make the biggest fights. So Mike Tyson, um, Mike Tyson, Muhammad Ali, Floyd Mayweather, um, Oscar De La Hoya, Manny Pacquiao, some of these names, um, Foreman, Lewis, Biggest, 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 biggest stars in boxing history, of course, I'm going to get 
the biggest amount of bread. So that shows how much money in boxing can be at the top end. So what about at the bottom end? So before I go down into what breaks um, in, into how the boxing purses are broken down and who gets what, it's not all rosy. So according to Shenron, the average boxer salary is about $35,000. So remember, when we think about boxing, we just think about the mega, mega stars. They're not the only people that box. Loads and loads of people that box. Some fighters, like when they first start, they get paid per round. So they might get paid £500 per round in a four-round four fight. Some of them are also um, also sell tickets. So they might get, so they get paid a percentage of the tickets they sell. So if they don't sell tickets, they just don't get paid. So it's very, very different from the superstars at the top to more of the entry-level boxers at the bottom. So who chops what? We'll talk about money. This is this number. Who chops what? Well, first of all, there's always going to be a debate on what fight gets what split of the fight. That's what took the May of a Pacquiao fight like six years to be made. We're having those same type of discussions with Joshua Wilder. And really and truly, the person who's the biggest draw is going to bring in the most of the sponsorship money, the most of the viewership, the most of the people through the gate should get paid the biggest chunk. As I've told you, you, you didn't hear no Deontay Wilder in the top 10 of anything. You get me? Deontay Wilder, I told you, might not even fill seats in that. <laughs> Whereas AJ sending out the O2, people at Wembley Arena, people at Cardiff Football Stadium. Do you think do you think Wilder could do that? You can't even sell out a Tony Bags. Right. So when it comes to negotiations, Anthony Joshua's camp gonna be like, no, we're not doing a 50-50 with you because you don't bring in anywhere near the same amount of revenue as me. So that doesn't make any financial sense. So a lot of bartering goes on. Because for example, some of the bigger fights, Canelo, GGG, Canelo got 55% of the purse compared to GG's 45. Maeve got 60% of the purse compared to Pacquiao's 40%. And that's because they, Canelo and Maeve had to take some of those, res um, they had to, um, what's called, negotiate just to get the fight to happen. Because if it was on pure merit, both fighters would get a larger percentage of the purse because they bring in more of the audience. Of course, fighters pay tax on their purses. And look at the breakdown. So, for example, managers can get up to up to 20 to 25% of the purse. Promoters can get up to 20 to 25% of the purse. So, worst case scenario, half your purse can half the purse can be gone to managers and promoters before the fight even sees a, a dime. The guys in your corner, they can get up to 5%. Your trainer could get up to 15%. So, what are you left with after? So even Anthony Joshua saying in the lead up to this fight, he's like, listen, the tax man's gonna get a big chunk for every hundred quid I make, big man. And after you pay all five, after you pay everybody, you're seeing about 30 to 40% of the total purse. But of course, the bigger the fighter and the more accolades he's got, he can negotiate down how much his manager gets, of course, how much the promoter gets. But that just shows you that when we hear these big, 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 big fees. They don't get the whole fee. But of course, when you're a Canelo Alvarez, a GGG, a Lomachenko, a Anthony Joshua, you're going to get still millions and millions of dollars after the fight, after all deductions. But when you think about the more lower level fighters, they don't get as much as you think. So yeah, that's it for this week's episode of Dysonomics. Streets are saying... AJ's total purse was could be anywhere up to 85 million, which we love to see. 
I saw the shakes in the ring of AJ, so that's that. That's that's that Arab money, G. And hopefully AJ continues to go strength for strength. This is an AJ propaganda podcast. I do not care <laughs> if you don't like it. Sod off. I hope you've enjoyed this podcast. So from from now on, when we're thinking, when we hear about our AJ or or uh, Chris Eubank Jr. or Billy Joe or Tyson Fury or Wilder or Canelo, GGG, Errol Spence, Lomachenko, all these other boxers, now you can kind of, when the money, when you hear the numbers, you can now start to really understand how things work. And, you know, it just gives you extra insight to the the sport of boxing. I hope you've enjoyed this. Any questions as usual, at underscore Nomics on Twitter, hashtag Dysonomics, please make sure you use the hashtag if you're listening. Share your Insta stories, share your Snapchat. You can listen to this podcast on Spotify, on Apple Podcasts, on Google, on the Google Plating or whatever Google Podcasts is things called. SoundCloud as well. Make sure you follow me on Twitter as well as Instagram. And until next week, peace. Sports Social Podcast Network.